Good morning, everybody. We're so glad that you're here. If you're joining us by Facebook uh, or online this morning, we're welcoming you too. Uh, we're going to sing a song that we're, that we're going to sing in our concert tonight. You know, our choir and praise team and uh, praise band, orchestra, uh, is, we're doing a concert tonight called Raise a Hallelujah, and it's from the CD that we made. Remember the CD we made a, two years ago? Uh, we're doing that music, so uh, if you don't have a CD, grab you a CD, and, uh, or you may want to get one after the concert tonight or before it. Uh, but um, this is one of the songs we're doing. We don't have the choir with us this morning, but we have this wonderful group of singers. And so, but we want you to feel, feel free to join in with us. This is a song you're going to recognize. It's called Oh Happy Day. And here we go. Oh, one, two, ready, go.
morning and welcome to First Baptist Church. My name is Megan Clayton and I am the preschool and children's minister here. If you're a guest with us this morning, we are so glad that you have decided to join us in worship. If you um, fill out the guest card in the pew in front of you, the back of the pew in front of you, and you can take it to the Welcome Center after the service and we have a gift and we would love to meet you and talk with you. So I have a little bit of an ask this morning. Um, We are growing in First Baptist um, Kids Ministry, and we have to double the size of our elementary Wednesday night groups. And that is a great problem to have, but that means we need more volunteers. We are at maximum capacity, and we need more space to grow. So if you are interested or have been interested in serving um, with FBC kids, um, we would love to get you plugged in or get you some more information about what all that involves. And there's a sign-up sheet um, at the Welcome Center, and you can just put your name and contact information down there, and I'll get in touch with you soon about what it looks like to serve with FBC Kids on Wednesday nights. Next, if you are interested in our parent-child dedication, um, we have a luncheon next Sunday after church, and then the commissioning service will be the following Sunday on Mother's Day. You can sign up on our church website, and we would ask that you do that by this Wednesday so we can have numbers ready to go um, for those events. We would love to have you join us. Um, Let's pray together and then continue in worship. God, thank you so much for this beautiful day and spring weather. Father, we thank you for the privilege to come together and worship you. Um, and to just be able to join our voices together in song and listen to your word. I pray that you open our hearts and our minds as we hear your word today and we worship you, and we can go and apply what we have learned and the energy we have gathered um, from coming together as a church and spread the good news of you throughout our communities. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Our Lord is a a chain breaker. Will you stand and let's sing this together? He is the chain breaker. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies, if you're trying to fill the same old holes inside, well, there's a better life. There's a better life. If you got chains, there's a chain breaker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, a saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. We've all searched for the light of day, the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight. We've all run the things we know just ain't right. Well, there's a better life. That's right. 
Somebody testify. Hear me out. You believe it. You can't believe it. You can't believe it. Somebody testify. Testify. If you believe it. If you receive it. If you can't feel it. Somebody testify. You got me. another song from tonight's concert. I want you to sing along with us. Daniel's going to lead this. Promise maker, promise keeper, you finish what you begin. Our provision through the desert, you see it through to the end. You see it through to the end. The Lord our God is ever faithful, never changed.
say thank you Jesus thank you Lord for what you've done oh our applause goes to you and you alone this morning Lord because you are our God and worthy of worship and worthy of praise you are God alone you are a faithful God a never-changing God and you take us through the darkness you are God oh Lord thank you so much for hearing our prayers our songs May you be glorified this morning as we sing hallelujah. And it's to that end that we say, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Good to see you today. Good to worship with you. I want to take a moment to invite you to one of our new Christian Discipleship Pathway classes that begins this Wednesday at 6.30. And especially to those of you who are new in our church, if you're a new member, we have our introductions class that begins this week that I'll be leading four-week class introducing you to First Baptist Church. Or if you're a guest and you're just wanting to check out, maybe you're new to Christianity, new to First Baptist Church, new to a Baptist Church, this is a, a no obligation, no pressure introduction to our church, what we believe, who we are, our campus, our staff, our ministries, as well as basic Christian beliefs and, and growth principles. So I invite you to come. Check us out. Uh, four weeks Begins this Wednesday at 6.30. Come to the Welcome Center. Somebody will get you there. I look forward to seeing you uh, in that introduction's time. Today, this morning, I'm beginning a three-week 
sermon series on making good decisions. Have you ever made any bad decisions? Most of us have, haven't we? How can we make better decisions? How can we make good decisions? Well, the good news is that God wants to help you make good decisions. He loves you. He loves us. And he wants us to flourish and do well. And so he's given us some resources to help us make good decisions. And over the next three weeks, I'm going to tell you about three of the things that God has given us. I think of this sort of as a three-layer cake. This is my visual image. and I've, uh, uh, There's a nice piece of three-layer cake right there. So the bottom layer is what we're going to talk about today. And what God has done to help you make good decisions is he's given us the Bible. And today we're going to talk about how we can use the Bible to make good decisions. And that's the bottom layer of the cake. Everything rests on top of that. But there are some decisions you face that uh, uh, the Bible does not specifically address. Maybe you're trying to decide how much money should I save for retirement? What, what career should I go into? So the second layer of the cake next week is we're going to talk about wisdom. God wants to help you make wise decisions, even in things not specifically addressed in the Bible. And how do I get wisdom? What is wisdom? How will it help me? That's next week. That's the second layer of the cake. Then there are some decisions, though, that are very personal. Should I go on a mission trip? Should I run for school board? You know, you know those are things that are very personal. And we're going to talk about the leadership of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works in your mind, heart, and conscience to give you specific guidance and direction. Those are the three layers of the cake, one layer each week. Today we start with the most important, the most foundational and fundamental, and that is that God wants to help you make good decisions by his word that he's revealed. Look at in your Bible at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Here's where the Bible talks about the Bible and what it is. And it says, all scripture is God-breathed or inspired. This is what sets this book apart from any other source of help that you would get when you try to make a decision. God wrote this book. He wrote it through the personalities and the individual authors, but he breathed these words, and that is what makes it unique. Now, the next word, though, I think we sometimes miss, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful. Do you know the Bible's useful? Do you ever use the Bible, or does it just lie on your nightstand and you don't ever use it, you realize that this is something that God has given you that is beneficial, profitable, or useful to you. And it says all Scripture is God-breathed and useful. And so in this context, as Paul, the older preacher, is writing to younger Timothy, he's speaking specifically of the Old Testament because that was the Scripture then that Timothy had. So the Old Testament is God-breathed, and it's useful to you. And by extension, of course, as the New Testament came into the canon, the New Testament is Scripture that is God-breathed and is useful. And it's useful, it says, in four ways. Look at these four words. I think they're in two pairs. The first pair speaks about doctrine, I think, primarily, or what you believe or how you think. And each pair has a positive and a negative word. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for, the first pair is teaching and rebuking. So it teaches you what to believe and to think. And it rebukes when you get off in your thinking. So the Bible is useful to teach you what to believe, 
how to think, and it's useful to rebuke you that when you, uh, you're, you're on the wrong track in your attitude, thinking, or doctrine. The second pair of words there, I think, primarily relates to your behavior. Uh, and it says, again, it's negative and positive, correcting. So it corrects wrong behavior. And the Bible is useful then to train, that's the positive sense, to train you into good decisions and good behavior. So the Bible, it says, is useful in these ways. Now, let's look at how it is useful. There are different types of information in the Bible that are useful for your decision-making. First of all, there is direct teaching in the Bible. Commands or other direct teaching. That is, you come to make a decision, there are some things that the Bible specifically speaks about for, in the decision that you're making. Uh, I, this, this series will go through Mother's Day, so I'm a sp specifically going to try to use some illustrations as we think about family that relate to family. Not entirely, but part of those that relate to family decisions. So let me just give you some examples of direct teaching in the Bible. Uh, maybe you're a new parent and you're trying to raise your kids and you wonder, uh, how, do I how do we discipline our kids? Uh, um, they don't come with an owner's manual, do they? They don't. They don't. Everything I've ever bought had an instruction manual, and then they give you this live human being, and you just take it home, and there's no instructions. You know, well, God has given some direct teaching, and maybe you're wondering. You know, I hear some people say if you spank your kids, it can make them aggressive and all this stuff. So you can go to the Bible, and it gives you some, some specific direct teaching about how to discipline your children. Proverbs 13, 24 says, Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. That's pretty specific, isn't it? And so you're trying to decide how to discipline your kids, and the Bible is useful in training you and in giving you help in making that decision. Let's give you another example. Maybe uh, you ran into your old girlfriend at Walmart and talked to her a few minutes, and your, your wife asked you where you'd been, and you thought, yeah, I'm, should I just lie to her? It would be a lot easier. Nothing happened there. These aren't all hypothetical situations by truth. They're things I've heard from people. But uh, so, uh, so wouldn't, wouldn't it be easier, Pastor, if I just lie to her and just avoid, because the Bible tells you to avoid conflict. Well, then you go to Colossians 3, 9, and it says specifically, directly to you, do not lie to each other. And so the Bible is trying to help you. It is trying to correct your tendency to wrong behavior and train you in right behavior. I'll give you another example. Uh, maybe uh, you're married and your husband won't work and your sister has said, I, if I were you, I'd leave him. You could come stay with me and I would not put up with somebody who would do like that. And He's not a Christian. He won't work. And you think, maybe I should do that. And the Bible specifically says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 12, if a brother has a wife who is not a believer and she's willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. That's some specific guidance, isn't it? So I'm saying to you, just in these three examples that I've given you, that when you're making decisions, there are some things that the Bible speaks specifically to 
And God wants to help you make good decisions if you'll follow what the Bible says. Now, I want to say to you also that the Bible is also useful in, uh, for decision-making even when it doesn't specifically address an issue. We've looked at specific or direct examples. Now I want to share with you how the Bible is useful for making good decisions indirectly. That is, in ways where it, it doesn't talk about everything that you face in life, does it? Uh, some situations are of modern origin, some are personal, it, but the Bible is still useful. Let me show you three ways that the Bible is useful in indirect teaching. First of all, there are principles in the Bible. Now, they're not as specific as those things we just looked at. They're broader. They don't give you an easy yes or no answer, but these principles do help you to make good decisions. For example, maybe you're trying to decide you've got a job offer, but it's going to take you away. You have to work every Sunday. You have to travel, and you're going to make a lot more money, but it's going to completely disrupt your going to church and being with your family there. And what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible doesn't tell you whether to take this job or not. There's no direct teaching on that specific question. But the Bible does have broader principles that you can look at that it won't give you an easy answer, but it will certainly help you make that decision. For example, in Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, that's not going to tell you what to do in that situation, but it's sure going to be a, a factor that will help you to make that decision when you're trying to decide about that job. I'm saying look to the Bible not only for specific things that it says, but look to the Bible for those broader principles. Now, let's go a, a step even broader than that, even less specific, and, and so, but, but broader, and that is there are doctrines in the Bible that will help you. Even broader than principles are just the foundational things that we believe about God, about humanity, about sin, about salvation, about the Holy Spirit, about the church. And these doctrines can help you. You say, well, how would that be? I'll show you an example of where Jesus was asked a specific question about decision-making, and his answer was really he went back to a foundational doctrine. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus was asked the question in verse 3. Some Pharisees came to him and to test him, and they said, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? So what was Jesus' response? Look at it in verse 4. Haven't you read? You see, Jesus used the, the Bible in his decision-making, didn't he? He went right back to, Haven't you read? And he quotes from Genesis that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female, and he said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And so Jesus' uh, takeaway from that doctrine is, verse 6, so they're no longer two but one, therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate. Now that passage, it's not a specific teaching on, on divorce. It doesn't mention divorce. It's not even just a principle. It's a foundational doctrine of creation that God made marriage. He made us with gender, and he brought us together in, as in marriage as male and female, and they become one flesh. And he went to that doctrine. 
So when you have to make decisions, you can think even broader. What does the Bible teach of the fundamental doctrines about life? And Jesus used them in that way. Give you one more example of how you can use the Bible in, in decision-making in an indirect way, and that is the power of example. Example. You see, a good bit of the Bible is story or narrative. First five books of the New Testament are largely narrative or story, stories that kids learn. The first 17 books, Genesis through Esther, are largely story in the Old Testament. So there's a lot of narrative in the Bible. Does that help us in decision-making? Yes, it does, because it gives both negative and positive examples. It both corrects by example and trains by example. Let me show you 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 6 and following. And Paul has just referred to some events in the Exodus, in the days of Moses, in the verses above where I'm starting to read. And then after telling about these Old Testament stories in the time of Moses, he says, now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it's written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. Do you hear there that Paul takes these stories as God-intended examples for us? And so he says, do as they did or don't do as they did. They're positive and negative examples. So you, you can find help for your decision-making in the stories of the Bible because God intends them as examples of how he interacts with people and we can learn from them. Let's look at a case study of Jesus and his decision-making, and see how he used some of these direct and indirect methods that we just talked about. Let's look at Matthew chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. It says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So Jesus had a decision to face. He could do it. He was really hungry. Should he turn those stones into bread or should he not do it? He's facing a decision. How does Jesus manage the decision? He believes that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful. And so Jesus refers to a principle in the book of Deuteronomy. An indirect teaching doesn't say anything about whether exactly you should turn stones into bread if you can. But he says, verse 4, it is written. He goes to the Bible. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so here's a principle that Jesus applies to this situation. There's more to life than just the physical bread. Well, then, verse 5, the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, whoa, surprise, surprise, even the devil can use the Bible in decision making. 
And he quotes scripture. He says, he will command his angels concerning you and they'll lift you up in their hands so that you'll not strike your foot against a stone. He's quoting from Psalm 91. So, whoa, it gets a little more complicated now. Just finding a verse doesn't mean that you've got the right answer in decision making because the devil would use so people misinterpret scripture. You have to watch about that. And people can twist scripture, and that's what the devil. So just because you find a verse that relates to your decision, you got to be really careful that you're not reading your own desires into that. So here we learn that the devil can come up with some parallel or principle. How does Jesus respond back to that? Jesus answered, verse 7, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Here he comes back with a direct command, a direct teaching to the, to the, uh, from the Scripture. And so here we learn another principle. When you think you're parallel or principle, uh, you've got something from the Bible that's indirect, it'll never contradict direct teaching. Okay? So if, if it conflicts with direct commands, direct teaching, you got to back up and you've misapplied a doctrine or a principle or an example. You get that? You see, there are those in the LGBT movement today who want to try to say that the, that the principles of love in the Bible cause us to affirm people, but those principles will never contradict a direct command in Scripture. You see where they're doing this same misappropriation of Scripture in that way? Your, your understanding of a principle, the, the devil quoted some verses from Psalm, but Jesus came back with a direct command. He said, that's not what that means that I should do that because the Bible says do not put the Lord your God to the test. And uh, again, the devil took him, verse 8, to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I'll give you, he said, if you'll bow out and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written. A third time he quoted the Bible. If Jesus used the Bible in decision-making, shouldn't we? Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Again, he comes back with a direct command to Satan that you are not to worship anyone but God alone. So, if the Bible then is useful in decision making, both directly and indirectly, how do I get at it? How do I make use of it? You say, I've got some decisions. How do I utilize what the Bible has to say? Let me give you both a short-term and a long-term answer, an answer that relates to direct teaching and an answer that relates to the indirect teaching, okay? The first, in the short term, that relates to direct teaching is research. you got to be willing to study, or the word study. That is, when you face a decision, would you take the Bible seriously enough that you will dig into the Bible and research what it says about that decision? You say, well, how would I do that? There are four primary tools that will help you to do that. A concordance, a Bible dictionary, a topical Bible, and the index to the notes in the back of your study Bible. And if you don't know those things, it's because you don't come to my class that I teach every year called Introduction to Prayer and Bible Study. And I go over this every year and teach you how to use those four things. Sorry about that. I just had had to fuss at you a little bit there. But I, I do. And so that's one way to do it. But you need to research. But now here's a second, a long term answer. Here's the answer about all that indirect teaching. How am I going to get at all these examples and, and, and uh, principles 
because you can't look up that uh, very easily. Some you can, but not as easily that indirect teaching. Let's go back to our primary passage in 1 Timothy to answer that question. And we go back to the verses right before what I read before in 2 Timothy 3.16. Here's the introduction to that. Beginning in verse 13, Paul says to Timothy, evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Going to be a lot of people around you, Timothy, making bad decisions. Next verse, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. Continue in what you've learned. And one translation has keep immersing yourself. Here's the the second word about how to to, um, get at this. Research or study, immerse or soak. Research and immerse, study and soak. He says, Timothy, you've been soaking. Next verse says, and how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Parents, when should you start teaching your kids the Bible? From infancy you've known the Holy Spirit, the Holy Scripture. It's never too early. You ought to be teaching, exposing your kids to just bits of basic Bible truth from the time that they're babies because they're going to have that TV on from the time they're babies. You need to be exposing them to bits of that. And so here's how you get at the teaching of the Bible. You you just immerse yourself in it over a long period of time. So the short-term answer is be willing to do some research whenever you've got a decision to make to see if the Bible speaks to what you're facing. But the long-term answer and the way to get at the indirect teaching is you soak in it. Have you ever made pickles? You ever made pickles? Or do you know how pickles are made? To make pickles, you take a vegetable, usually a cucumber, but it can be a lot of other vegetables, and you put it in a mixture of water and salt and vinegar and maybe some other stuff, and you know what you do? You just let it soak. It just stays in that. And the longer it's in that, the more it will absorb, to a certain degree, some of the flavor of that brine that it's in. That's what you do with the Bible. You just pickle yourself in the Bible. You just immerse yourself. You soak in it from infancy if you can, but if you didn't start in infancy, that's okay. Start wherever you are right now. If you're 60 years old, start wherever you are and soak in the Bible. And if you read the Bible and you come to preaching and you come to a connection group where it's discussed, then over a period of time you will develop a familiarity with the stories and principles of the Bible. You'll never never learn it all. But it will stand you in good stead in your decision making because then you'll have not only that direct thing where the Bible particularly speaks, but you will also have that biblical worldview and that sense of what the Bible would have you do because you've soaked in these stories and examples and principles and doctrines of the Bible. And that's the long-term answer to make good decisions. you got to soak in it. you got to immerse yourself in it. How from infancy you have learned and known the Holy Spirit. You continue in that, Timothy. You keep immersing yourself in those scriptures because all scripture is God-breed and is useful to you. So over a period of time, will you commit yourself to that? 
American Bible Society does statistics every year, every year of how many people read the Bible. And this year, in 2021, they were startled to find the largest drop in Bible reading ever in the history since they've been doing these statistics. They say 26 million people, 26 million less people are reading the Bible regularly now than two years ago. 26 million. Huge drop. They said from casual Bible readers two years ago, 50% said that we, they, looked up, they looked at the Bible three to four times a year. 50%. Now it was down to 39%. And among dedicated Bible readers who would read it every day or every week, that has had a corresponding drop. And they say they think the problem has been it's tied to church attendance. In church, church attendance is so important in your spiritual life because as people in the pandemic have not been coming to church as much, a corresponding drop apparently has been taking place in their Bible reading and Bible study from the very casual to the most dedicated. Millions less people opening the Bible now today. Don't you be among that number. So today I call, call you to two commitments. We're learning how to make good decisions. I want to challenge you to two commitments. Number one, I'll seek to discover God's direction in the Bible. Both by studying it and soaking in it, both by research and immersion, I'll seek to discover. I believe the Bible is God-breathed and is useful. And so I'm going to I'm going to seek to consult it. I'm going to seek to soak in it. I'm going to seek to discover what the Bible says about my decisions. But here's the second commitment that I ask you to make that's even more important. And that is, I'll submit to God's direction in the Bible. Because we tend to think that our biggest need is to know what the Bible says about our decisions and our biggest need is to do what we already know the Bible says. It's not to know what to do. It's to do what we know. The biggest commitment I call you to make is, will you say, as I soak in this book and research this book, when the Bible says I'm going to submit to this book, Some of you are Rook players, card game Rook. In the game of Rook, you, if you get the bid, you bid on every hand. If you get the bid, you get to call trumps. And so there are four colors, four suits of cards. And in Rook, if you get the bid, you get to say which color is trumps. And trumps takes the other cards. So if you call trumps red, a red five will take a, any other card of a higher a number. And there's one card in the rook deck that takes all the other cards. It's the rook. It has a crow on it. And no matter what, every hand, this card trumps all other cards. For the Christ follower, the Bible is our rook card. We say as Christ followers, I'm asking you to say today, Bible trumps everything else. The Bible will trump my feelings and my intuition. I just don't feel well, but the Bible says, and the Bible will trump my feelings. 
The Bible will trump what my friends say. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and the Bible is my trump card. It trumps. I'm going to listen to it over what my friends say. The Bible trumps culture. Culture's going this way, but the Bible says this. I'm following the Bible because I believe all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful. Here's a big one. You ready? Bible trumps mama. Bible trumps even mama. But mama says, doesn't, you know, I love you, mama. I wouldn't live with that man, Peter. But you know, mama, I'm a follower of Christ now. And the Bible trumps everything. Will you say that today? Let's pray together. Oh, dear God, thank you that you care enough about us that you want to help us make good decisions and avoid the pain of bad decisions. And we are so grateful for that. And as today we've looked at the bottom layer of the cake, the, the foundation layer, the Bible, we just want to be people of this book. And so, Lord, would you help us to discover, we make a commitment right now, we want to discover in our decision-making what the Bible says, both in the short term and in the long term, we commit ourselves to consult the Bible, to seek the Bible, to ask, does the Bible have anything to say about this? And we make that commitment. But Lord, our second commitment that those of us praying this prayer would make right now is, Lord, we want to submit to the Bible. We will order our lives under the Bible, and we will allow your word to trump every other source of information and direction in our lives, and we submit to your word. So, Lord, if we're wrestling with a decision specifically right now, or if we're preparing for our future, oh God, we arrange ourselves under your word and say, your word trumps every other source in our lives. Oh God, help us to make good decisions for our good and for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The most important decision that you'll ever make in life will be who you're going to be in relationship to Jesus Christ. And the primary purpose of the Bible is not to help you find the right job or the right spouse. The primary purpose of the Bible is to help you to find faith in Jesus Christ and by that forgiveness of your sins and an eternal home in heaven and a right relationship to God. That is the primary purpose of the Bible to help you make that one big decision. And the Bible reveals that Jesus is the unique Son of God who came to earth from heaven to die and be raised again that he might break the curse of our death and give us life abundant and eternal. Today, would you put your faith in Jesus? Stand together with me. We're going to sing a song of invitation. If you want to come and confess faith in Christ, walk down while you're, you're coming. We'll have baptism uh, next week. You can be baptized next Sunday. You want to join our church, you can do that by walking forward. Uh, you want somebody to pray with you about a decision, uh, you're certainly welcome to do that. Let's sing together. Yeah, you were 
Yeah, you were reigning still, enthroned above all things. Angels and saints cry out, we join you as we sing glory to close here this morning just have a couple of quick announcements you can see several important things there in your worship guide uh, so those offer the CDP classes and other things in there don't miss out on that just want to mention a couple things that are not in there um, if you have a student that's planning to go on the summer mission trip for the high school or to camp for the middle school uh, those balances are due May 22nd that's in case your student hasn't been coming home and telling you for the last couple of weeks I've been lovingly reminding them please go home and tell your parents 
Um, last week I also put it in the newsletter, so in case you don't read the newsletter, this is a final, hey, it's due May 22nd. So don't miss out on that so that you can get your balance paid on time. There's still spots available for either one of those uh, trips. If uh, you have a student that's interested and wants to go, we can make that still happen. Also, for seniors only, our graduate recognition is coming up on May 22nd. And so I've been giving them some information about that. So parents go home and ask your seniors about that so that um, you're aware of all that information as well. I'll be sending some more information home with them this week also. Tonight, don't miss out on the choir concert. It begins right here at 6 o'clock. It's going to be a great evening. Todd, do you have anything you want to mention about it? Oh, I already said something at the beginning that uh, we've done two songs this morning uh, from it. It's just it's a little teaser. Just a teaser, and you can go get like you a CD if you want. So come here tonight for the full meal. Have the appetizer this morning. Come and get the real deal tonight so that you can uh, be blessed by the incredible talent, really. It's just we have incredible talent with singers and musicians in this church. We, we are definitely blessed with that. And so if you're a guest with us as you're exiting the doors, you can head down to your left there to the welcome desk. Our lead pastor, Dr. Cox, will be down there this morning. And if you fill out that guest registration card, you can take that there. And he's got a small gift for all those first-time guests as well. So we'd love uh, to have the chance to meet you this morning. Let me pray for us, and we'll close, and we'll be done this morning. Father God, we thank you uh, for your holy scriptures that you breathed uh, breath not only into us, but you breathed the breath of life into your scriptures so that we would know how to live. Uh, Father, not only the most important thing to know salvation is found in you, but just in how to make decisions in everyday life. So God, thank you for giving us the wisdom through your word and uh, that it's useful in, in everyday uh, life for us. God, it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Glory to God.